0: Can you see it, did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen,
1: who tries a bank pass for Besser, in with a shot, he scores! Moment's notice,
0: Adamsley. we here. Like I don't. I will cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. By, hold
1: my
0: Just wave the guy and get Demko
1: involved. I wanted him in and Day. Wow, really? we should do a radio show together.
0: <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now.
1: Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores.
0: <laughs>
1: Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation My name is Chris Faber and thank you for joining us this week We are presented by the great folks at Zephyr Epic And Zephyr Epic is going to have a goldmine on their hand after what we saw in the scrimmage tonight Because Series 2 will be dropping some point during the season And in Series 2, there will be a Young Guns of Niels Huglander. Because Quads, is it 100% now? Is he making this team after what we saw in the
0: scrimmage today? Dude, there is no way that Mills Hoglander doesn't make the team Like, holy cow, this kid is just incredible And like, okay, there's people out there, and I get it We were talking about it, Chris, we were saying he's coming He's had half of an SHL season, he's coming over here And he's gonna have fresh legs, right? He's gonna have an advantage on everybody But, that being said, like It doesn't really take these guys that long to get up to game speed You know what I mean? Like he, st- he was stealing the puck from Elias Pedersen tonight Like, that's the best player in the Canadian division Some will tell you Um. So, I, I don't know Like, I don't know if it's time to pump the brakes on Huglander at all But, man, he has impressed me He's impressed everybody that's seen him at camp He just looks a step above what we're used to seeing with prospects And it's just, man, like just having so many guys who come in and just have success right away Like it's easy to start thinking that okay maybe this is another one But you also want to remember that he's just a prospect still And you don't know if he's going to be able to sustain it over a full season But right now even playing with Bo Horvat he just looks fantastic Absolutely and of course he said it He's a prospect
1: coming in from a league where he's never played in the NHL Now he doesn't know what the competition's going to be like But honestly, just seeing what I've seen at camp, like I've watched a lot of Niels Huglander, that's no secret, I don't think. Uh, I think I've seen every single game he played this year in the SHL. And I was not expecting this type of performance from him Throughout the first half of a week at training camp I mean, he's looked good in every single drill that he's competed in He's making absolutely, the potentially the best passer uh, in a lot of these drills And he looked like that in the scrimmage as well Adding on what he did with his hands You mentioned it, he dangled Elias Patterson in one of the practices I know that he went uh, through Jake Furtanen's legs But I know that there's a few Canucks on this team that could probably do that But I just thought <laughs> that watching them play together Watching Huglander and you know, Horvat and Quinn Hughes. I, I like the chemistry between Huglander and Hughes. I thought that they were both moving the puck, and it seemed like when one one of those two had the puck in the offensive zone, like the other one seemed to always be open for some reason. I don't know if it's just a scrimmage or maybe the defense was a little bit lacked, but I did like to see a little bit of chemistry developing between between Huglander and some Canucks players. Like it was great to see and, and right now at this point, from everything that we've seen so far,
0: they cannot keep Niels Hoglander off of this lineup for opening night. No. I think he's forcing his way into not only the roster, but I think he's forcing his way into the top six. Don't you? Like he okay, so on the topic of the Hughes and Hughes and Huglander thing, like, yeah, that was incredible There was a moment tonight, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday night After the scrimmage, just so everybody's aware There was a moment where you were recording and I was watching And I think the period had just ended And there was a sequence there where Hughes passed to Huglander And then back and forth a few times But they were both, like, shaking off defenders by just using incredible edge work And you were like, look, Huglander's actually faster at turning than Hughes And I was like, what? No way and I looked at the video and yeah, like he legitimately was. He was quicker than Hughes at turning on a dime. And it's like that's what's that's part of what's made Hughes so successful. So for Huglander to be showing that so early on and just he's so quick, man. Like, and he's so tenacious on the puck. Like, that's what's really impressed me is like a lot of people are just like, okay, you guys are just pumping his tires. He's scoring goals, whatever. He's putting up points in scrimmages. That's not it. Like, He's hard on the boards, like he goes into every board battle hard And a guy you mentioned, Jake Vertanen, that's not something we're very used to seeing him do And that's something Travis really doesn't like about Jake So to see it in Huglander, a guy who he's put in the top 6 right from day 1 Like, I think Travis gave him a great opportunity by doing this and I don't think they're going to look back. That's my take. I don't think Huglander is going to be out of the top six for the rest of training camp, and then I think into the season. I think he still finds a home on Bo, Bo Horvat's line. But later on, we're going to have to talk about what that means for the matchups and everything.
1: Yeah, you know what? Like I thought that potentially putting Huglander there was something to challenge Jake for a little bit. Like I thought that might have been some sort of play by Travis Green. But it's it's now Huglander's spot to lose. Right at this point yep. in camp, I think that's. That's a situation that we're walking into right now, and yeah, he put up points and scored a goal uh, in the scrimmage. And, and you could take away what you want for that. They played three three eighteen minute periods of of pretty real hockey. Maybe the, some of the hits were laid off a little bit, but yep. at the same time, like you know, I thought Justin Bailey and Guillaume Brisbois had a hell of a battle in front of the net as well. Like they were cross checking the hell out of each other, trying to yep. fight for a spot. So like there were players going out there and delivering full body hits, and maybe they laid off a little bit at times. But I just think that. What we saw on the ice tonight And what every single person up in that media area Was saying They came out of there saying Niels Huglander was the best player on the ice And that I mean that says something but you know what There was something similar at summer camp as well When we were at summer scrimmage We saw Michael Ferlin potentially be one of the best players on the ice as well So take what you want away from the scrimmage I just think that we're at the point right now with so many questions going into this camp about the top 6. What Niels Huglander has been able to do to this top 6 so far at this training camp? You you have to give him that spot right now unless he just absolutely blows it or Jake Frantan blows the doors off and honestly I don't see either of those two things happening. Yeah. I I am blown away to see Niels Huglander on the opening night top 6 and I think I'm about to be blown away in 7 days from now.
0: That's the crazy thing, though, Chris. Is like you and I both said. Listeners of this show know that you and I have been saying for a while. We both thought Hoglander was going to have a great camp. I we both said, like, you know, he's a he's great in training camps. We saw him at the young at the Young Stars tournament or the Young Guns, whatever it was that they did uh, the summer tournament or whatever two years ago. And Mikey was like, yeah, Hoglander was really impressive. So, you know, we kind of called it. But I think even for, for me, at least. I wasn't expecting this, like, I was, I'm surprised at how good Hoglander's been, and really surprised at his board work, like, I can't stress that enough, like, the way this guy goes into every board battle at 100%, it's just, like, you know, he, he, he's a puck retrieving machine on the boards, like, it's insanity to watch him go in and just strip the puck away, and he's, I don't know like I've really liked what I've Seen with him away from the puck and like Just getting the puck back he's just Fantastic and then once it's on his stick It's very hard to get it off his stick
1: Yeah and I'll I'll put a damper on things a little Bit there were some negatives Uh, I think That there was some times where Niels Hugliner had some bad changes but I was also Pretty impressed to see the amount of Shift time that he was getting like I watch, like, in the SHL, he was the guy who was always the first to shift off of that line when he was playing in, in Reglay over there. Like, he was always the guy that, you know, did that 30 seconds and got off the ice real quick if they weren't in the offensive zone. And we didn't see long shifts, which kind of goes to the point of why we didn't see a lot of ice time for Niels Hogglander. I mean, let's look at what he did at the SHL this year. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would guess that he's around 13 minutes of ice time. Like, I would, I wouldn't guess that he's, there's no chance he's in like 16 to 18 range for ice time. And to think that he was used in a third line situation in the SHL and is now going to come over to the NHL and be a top six player, like, this is a step that we didn't really see happening because, like, look at what happened with Elias Pettersson coming over here. He was the best player in the SHL, right? Like the gold helmet wearing, painted in gold after the championship, best <laughs> player in the league. Like that wasn't Niels Huglander. Niels Huglander was a guy who was putting up decent points for a guy his age in the SHL. He was playing power play minutes. He had an incredible Corsi percentage where he controlled a lot of the puck possession over in the SHL. He won a lot of board battles. He kept extending plays in the offensive zone. But now he's come over here and he's been teamed up with guys like Bo Horvat and Tanner Pearson who are going to make his game even better. And this is something that I think I've talked about like in the past couple weeks. I didn't really think that there would be a fit with Huglander playing on that line. And this is something we'll get into a little bit later here. But I just thought that how much of the game plan of your top six usage changes when you put Huglander there instead of perhaps Louis Erickson, perhaps Tyler Mott, even Jake Furtanen, like... I think that Travis Green wants to use that Horvat line in a somewhat of a matchup role, but now we really have to explore the idea that I know you absolutely love of making Elias Pettersson and his line match up against the Connor McDavid line, the Austin Matthews line. Like, if that's the situation, and Horvat's and Hoglander and Pearson are feasting on other team second lines, like if Hoglander plays like this at all and brings even a smidge of what he's doing in camp to the NHL. Like, that line's going to be producing at 5-on-5,
0: five five, and that has been a problem for Bo Horvat in the past. Dude, PD's ready for it. That's the thing. Is like, the only reason I say this is because I know he's ready for it. You look at the playoffs. Ryan O'Reilly was just an absolute machine that they could not shut down. They put Elias Pettersson on him, and Quinn Hughes, actually, when they really needed to shut him down, and it worked out. It wasn't the best in terms of... Producing offensive chances, but they were able to shut down O'Reilly, and then you saw some secondary scoring come in and help out. So there goes Bo Horvat flying down the wing, doing the double bow drag, the ultra rare double bow drag, and he scores a goal with it. So when I'm when I'm saying this, it's almost like you're kind of unlocking Bo Horvat's full potential because he's kind, you know, he doesn't complain. He's a he's a good captain or whatever, but he really has some offensive ability and if you allow him to just kind of come into his own there and just kind of feast off a second line matchup or uh you know get some favorable minutes and now he's got a guy like hoglander playing with him like that gives the canucks two really good lines because like i said like Elias petterson jt miller well first of all jt miller looks like he's in mid season form listeners yeah. if you haven't watched it yet go read our recap on CanucksArmy.com. look at the gold that jt miller scored after the one timer from petterson oh it was just Beautiful like sharp angle It just it gave me flashbacks To when they played Buffalo and in The black skate jersey and Miller broke the Bottle behind Carter Hutton it was yep. just It just gave me flashbacks to that Which I should add after the game uh, In the locker room JT Miller Described as effing awesome That was uh, <laughs> that was his quote after the game He was just like that was effing awesome but wow, man, effing. We're,
1: <laughs> With uh with all The post game zoom calls we're gonna miss out On a lot of those fun quotes like yeah, You know, you're going to miss the F-bombs in the quotes Which always make him great And uh, I want to continue on a little bit Because obviously we'll, we'll, we'll touch on some Hugliner stuff a little bit later um, But at the same time I wanted to talk about another guy Who looked great for the Vancouver Canucks Another guy who's never played a game in a Vancouver Canucks jersey uh, And I want to talk about Nate Schmidt Because you know i thought he was incredible again today uh very vocal on the ice i don't know how many whoop whoops you caught but like uh as thomas drantz reported from the bubble like we're going to hear a lot of whoops uh coming out of nate schmidt and he's not kidding like there is a lot of vocal uh, i guess a lot of talk coming out of uh out of nate schmidt and he was excellent today almost seven i think i counted almost seven whoops <laughs> well you know what of- and i'll extend it a little bit like he's been excellent all camp Like, he is getting himself into situations that I just haven't seen defensemen do for the Vancouver Canucks in a long time. Like, he is getting in to two-on-ones with forwards. When he notices that there's one defenseman back there, he just goes. He puts his head down and he goes and he gets engaged in offensive odd man rushes. And I just, I'm so impressed with how, like, it's almost, it's weird. Like, he plays... He plays a very offensive game, but he's also really quiet in his own defensive zone. Like he makes a lot of the yep. right plays in the defensive zone. But when he opens up and gets in the offensive zone, that's where he kind of just lets his game just open up and, and get a little bit more creative with where he's going on the ice and what he's doing on the ice. And I've just I've been very impressed with him. I get, you know, I get a lot of good vibes thinking that Quinn Hughes and Nate Schmidt are gonna be the guy the the big puck
0: movers in our top four this year. Absolutely. The the defensive awareness on Nate Schmidt is something I didn't even realize was as good as it is. I don't know if you noticed, Chris, and listeners, you wouldn't have seen this because there was no broadcast, but there was a moment tonight where I think it was a Comets player was on the forward group, and he made a bad, bad pass, and Schmidt was just jumping up in the rush, and his partner was changing, okay, it was like, th- this puck should not have been turned over, to say the least, so he was right to jump up in the rush. But puck was turned over at the offensive blue line just inside, and Schmidt was coming down hard. And there were two guys behind him. Holtby's yelling at Schmidt to get back. So Schmidt, before the puck is even off the the comments guy's stick, is turned around, and he's like... It's hard to describe what he did but he like opened up his hips because he was skating backwards And then he opened up and started skating forward at the guy And he was so quick with those first two steps that he got body position on the guy breaking in And broke up the two on one It was just I didn't describe it very well You can tell why I don't do play by play (laughs) But it was just a moment where I was like wow Like he not only read that play but he played it I, you just couldn't have played it any better. That's the point I'm trying to make, is that you couldn't have played it any better, and Nate Schmidt jumped up in the rush, like you added, like, he's gonna bring a real puck moving element to the Canucks blue line, and by the way, we saw what they did against Vegas, it wasn't pretty. Quinn Hughes was the only guy who could get out of the freaking zone, so now you have Nate Schmidt, you're gonna have a guy like Jack Rathbone potentially soon. That's a guy I wanna talk a little bit about later, but, you know, to your point of Nate Schmidt, If it wasn't Hoglander, Nate Schmidt was hands down the best Canuck on the ice tonight.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that too. I thought that he stuck out like crazy. To think that the Canucks can have two puck movers like a Quinn Hughes and a Nate Schmidt, uh, I just want to bring up a a quick number that I've noticed like the other night, and I just dug it up here again. Um, So Quinn Hughes, when he's playing on the ice with the lotto line, they controlled 68% of the goal scored. They scored 17 goals and allowed 8 goals. Uh, When Quinn Hughes was away from the lotto line, so this is you know quite a bit of time He obviously wasn't on the ice a ton uh, A lot of the time he was with them But a lot of the time he was without them as well So Quinn Hughes away from the lotto line 19 goals for, 35 goals against So Quinn Hughes last year Benefited a lot from playing with the lotto line And getting a lot of minutes with the lotto line I wonder if we're going to start to see something next year where Quinn Hughes is playing a ton of minutes with the lotto line, who, by the way, looked excellent again today. They haven't missed a beat coming into training camp since the first day. That lotto line together, like, there was questions about Jake Tannen playing up there and Brock Besser going in the top six. There's no questions about the lotto line going into opening night for sure. I think that line has to be together. But to think that... Like There were some tough minutes and obviously some tough players For Quinn Hughes to play against in this Canucks roster Last year and that's why he had such a bad Goal differential so 35% Of the goal share away from the lotto line But think about adding Nate Schmidt to be The similar thing that Quinn Hughes did to the lotto Line but have Nate Schmidt now on the Horvat line You know, being another guy who can jump in and do a similar thing that Quinn Hughes does with the lotto line. Now you have that with your second pairing with a guy like Nate Schmidt jumping in and Alex Edler being the stay at home guy. Like it makes a lot of sense to have that and have them on the ice as much as possible together. Then you ride out your bottom six with your third pair. And that's just the way that you kind of go. Like you take the L probably with your bottom six and your third pair. But at the same time, maybe Hammondick improves and, and Yalevy plays okay. And that you just try and stay at evens with that bottom six and, and third pairing group. But, Looking at, if you're able to get them on the ice a lot together, have that Schmidt with Horvat and Hughes with Pedersen line, like, I really like the Canucks' odds of matching up against teams with a five-man group if they go out with that and try and keep them playing together quite often.
0: Oh, absolutely. Like, no question. No question, Chris. Like, Nate Schmidt is going to be such a big help, and I think we are kind of guilty of this as well, but I think a lot of people didn't really, you know, like we were obviously fans of the move. You give up a third round pick for a guy like Nate Schmidt, that's a steal. But, you know, I I feel like we didn't even know how much of an impact he was gonna have. And I know he yeah. hasn't played a regular season game yet, but just watching him in person, like, you know, aside from Quinn Hughes, this is the this is the Canucks best defender and it's not even close.
1: No, I think that I think that if you look at the Canadian division and you look at the defense corps, like is there a better one-two punch in the Canadian division than Quinn Hughes and Nate Schmidt?
0: No, I don't think there is.
1: I don't I don't think anyone's actually, like, that close. Unless you ask Steve Simmons, he's probably going to tell you that, you know, Shea Weber and whoever else in Montreal is the best duo. But anyways, uh, I just think that it's, it's really hard for me to look around the league, specifically the Canadian division. I'm sure around the league there are, like, if I actually looked at it, like, Colorado's probably got 15 defensemen. But anyways, like, looking at the Canadian division, you know, Edmonton, no... Calgary no, Toronto no, Ottawa they shouldn't even be on the list. Uh, Montreal no, <laughs> like Winnipeg no, like it is there's this is the best defense duo that they have. So the fact that you're going to get to see these guys for upwards of forty five to fifty minutes a game, like that's that's an exciting thing for Canucks fans to see defensemen that are this dynamic, and you're you're totally bang on quads like. I did not think that Nate Schmidt would have the type of impact that we've seen in camp so far, but he has just, he's excited me in similar ways that Quinn Hughes has, and I think that Quinn Hughes has a lot of room to grow, and he'll likely be the better defender if he's not already the better defenseman right now. Like, Quinn Hughes is still getting better, but Nate Schmidt is what he is, and he's an excellent NHL defenseman.
0: Do you remember when people were trying to get excited about Michael delzato and, like, Erica Branson? Like, what dark days those were. Like... Just imagine, your team goes out, gives up a king's ransom for Eric and Branson, all the analytics people tell you, this guy's bad, they shouldn't have done this, and you're like, no, this, he's tall, he's very handsome, he's gonna be great, and then we all know how it ended, I don't need to go down that road again, but there were still people being like, oh, you guys are just so negative, that's why he wasn't good, it was because you guys were so negative, and it was just, its it was exhausting, and then... Now you look at the defense score and it's like, no, this is a defense score that you can actually kind of get excited about. And even last year's, like, it wasn't great. Like, Tyler Myers was the big acquisition. He eats a ton of minutes. You know, I'm, I'm a bit of a Tyler Myers truther, but you know, the deal's not a great, but you get Nate Schmidt. That's a, that's a good deal, man. Giving up a third round pick for him. That's a good deal to get a guy like Nate Schmidt. I, I really, really think that people, people don't really understand how good he's gonna be I don't know like it's weird because we've we've seen him and we're trying to just tell people that haven't been able to uh go watch him but it's just like you guys have got to trust us on this one he is very very dynamic and he's he's gonna surprise a lot of people I think
1: yeah and we we know what he's like off the ice he's excellent the Canucks released a little mic'd up video of him trying to get out of a morning skate with Travis Green that was hilarious (laughs) and I think that yeah, like once we see him actually give 110% in an actual NHL regular season game, I, I hope that it stays at the level that we're seeing in scrimmage and practice, right? Like if he's that impactful in an actual NHL game, because simply simply put, like I haven't seen enough of Nate Schmidt to form an actual opinion. I've looked at the numbers, I've obviously seen him for a handful, maybe a dozen games, I just I haven't seen him impact a game the way that I'd like to see so I think that we're going to get a chance to do that pretty early in the year but I I want to stick on the defense core a little bit here before we head to break um Jack Rathbone I thought's been very impressive in the first 2 days of camp. I thought he had a really good scrimmage when they had um, the surprise scrimmage there on Tuesday afternoon and I thought that he had a really good showing on the first day of camp. He made a lot of great passes and I didn't think he was bad tonight. I didn't think he was, you know, a bad player. He looked like he could skate with NHL players. Might have had a little problem in the corners with some of the bigger guys, but tonight tonight was Olio Levy's night. Like Olio Levy looked a lot better than Jack Rathbone I thought tonight. What did you take away from that game?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, Ali Levy's defense is never going to be a problem. But the one thing with Levy was defending off the rush, right? Like, that pivoting isn't great for Alevi. That's kind of his only flaw on defense. Like, his in-zone coverage is exceptional. I, You know, you don't see any problems with that. Like, tying guys up in front, like, boxing out, he's good at all that. That's not a problem. Obviously, there's his offensive game as well. You probably noticed this tonight, Chris, but... Knowing that Yolevi likes to use the board so much For those breakout passes Watching it tonight was just fantastic Like there was a play where he was on the left side Coming up And he was trying to catch the other team While they were on a change And he just snapped this like 100 foot pass up to yep. Zach McEwen and he banked it off the wall to get it around the one four checker that there was and it was just perfect. Like it was, it was like tape to tape but it hit the boards first and just bounced perfectly to McEwen's tape and it was just, I don't know, like, it was just like, wow, like, that was a really nice breakout pass, and I know Jalevi's a really good at breaking the puck out, he can't wheel the puck out the same way Rathbone can, skating's not quite there like it is for Rathbone, who's really good on his edges, I don't know if you saw him tonight, on his edges, Is just, oh my gosh, like, the guy is so, such a smooth skater, just a treat to watch skate, uh, but yeah, like, Ulevi, it was absolutely Ulevi's night, he was he was great all over the ice. He's get he's more vocal. He's you could just tell he's playing with a ton of confidence, and that's exactly yeah. what you want to see. And I mean, you know, on the other side of the break and everything, we're definitely gonna talk about defense pairings because Canucks went and got a guy that we haven't even talked about on the main show because they did it like very shortly after we had the main show. So we have to touch on it a little more, but I really liked all your Levy tonight.
1: Absolutely. I just think that what we saw from your and just playing with a guy like Tyler Myers tonight, I thought that was a huge A huge opportunity for him right to not Be with a guy like Chatfield or be with A guy like Sautner like this was his Time to skate with an NHL player Make passes with an NHL player as his Partner and he didn't let he didn't disappoint At all like I thought that his passes Were all crisp he looked good in the defensive Zone defending when this is the thing Like this has always been the thing with your you brought it up He's not great at defending the rush but if you get Set up in the defensive zone He is excellent at getting in passing lanes And getting in shooting lanes like that's like so since the day he was drafted that's what people have been saying right like this is what I'm talking when they're talking about him being such a smart player and having a high hockey IQ I think that's what they're talking about because he does an excellent like if you're set up and you just say like this is why he's going to be a good penalty killer I think because he's going to know how to get in the shooting lanes and how to get in the passing lanes just because of the hockey intelligence like I don't see his super high hockey IQ anywhere else than in the defensive zone I think that's what people were talking about. Maybe they were talking like he was a power play guy when he was drafted and he did some power play uh, before Brogan Rafferty took over last year in Utica. I mean, he was the first unit guy and he talked about that today a little bit in his media availability that he was a power play guy, but he wants to be able to go on the ice at all times and he's been, you know, taken, taken, you know, Shorthanded penalty kill minutes pretty seriously Now that was something that he did in Utica last year And that's something that he's going to have to do at the NHL level So I I just thought that Today was a really good showcase for him I thought at this point Now like I really liked Rafferty In the first two days I really liked him even With Jordy Ben who I'm you know Expecting to be bumped out for Travis Hamanick Once we get to opening night and that combination That we could see Of a Yo Yo-Le- Levy With Hamanick or A Jack Rathbone with Hamanick both have some some pluses and some negatives to both because you're going to get the penalty killer with your levy, but you're going to get potentially a better puck mover and a guy with, you know, potential to be a real dynamic player in this league in Rathbone. So good options, I think, either way. And if one crafts the bet, you got the other one right there ready to go
0: and hop into that third pairing. Absolutely. I re- honestly, like, I th- I think this is a topic for the second half of the show, but I really like the Canucks defense, man. But one thing, one player I noticed tonight before we go to break, Chris, that I really wanted to mention to you was Tyler Mott. You know, we saw his hustle all season long. We saw it in the playoffs. We saw it turn into some offensive success. Dude, he's been just buzzing at camp. And tonight, like, he looks faster. He looks like he's gained a step. And for a guy who was already just pretty fast and already was hustling so hard, like, It looks like he's gained a step to me But on that note I'm very happy to say that we don't Have to be putting out Tyler Mott In the top six predictions like we were Like two weeks ago before Huglander (laughs) came on the scene We're like could Tyler Mott play on board That swing? I'm very happy To see that and I think we do need To talk about the bottom six a bit Chris because It looks like a crap show If I'm being honest with you like You know what what I'm
1: seeing right now? And I think I mentioned it on Saturday's show but like It feels like there's two third lines battling against each other right now. Like, you have Antoine Roussel, Adam Gaudet, and Zach McEwen going up against Tyler Mott, Brandon Sutter, and Jake Furtanen. Like, it feels like those could be two directions that the third line could go. Like, that's that's a crazy thing for me. Like, I expect the fourth line to be a Beagle, Tyler Mott, uh, insert name here, probably Sutter, and I think that Gaudet will eventually be the third line center. But, like... I don't know, Goddett's he said he's came in lighter than he was last year He said he feels stronger than he was last year So I, I thought he's looked fine so far in camp I think he's looked excellent, he doesn't look like he's smaller for sure uh, Even though he said that to media today That he was dealing with a stomach issue that they diagnosed yeah. in the offseason um, And it's its a struggle for him to add on weight But he said they got ahead of it and it's something that he's going to work on So I thought that was great news to hear But that was also news that we've never really heard of before for Adam Goddett. So yeah, the bottom six, man, it is... You like if you have Huglander in that spot and he secures that top six, that's not only a shocker in itself for what the top six looks like, but that really makes the bottom six just an absolute, just a big mess on what the hell's (laughs) going to come out of that bottom six, to be honest. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be horrible, and I'm not saying it's like in that way of a mess, but to To put it together, like it, it's like that meme, looking at the map where you're like putting them all together from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like it, it's it's that meme, right? Like what the hell is going to happen to this bottom six? The the thing is, I don't
0: know, and I don't think anybody does. It's just, man. Like, okay, so here's the thing. You just said, oh, Sutter Sutter can go to the wing, no problem, right? But Travis was talking like I think it was two days ago. He's like, yeah, yeah, I've always viewed Sutter as a center And I think he plays better at center He's going to be playing center It's like, uh, okay, so does that mean Jay Beagle's gone? He kills penalties really well And Travis loves him some Jay Beagle Who hustles and always is good for the bag skates I don't think Beagle's <laughs> out of this lineup So, is this Adam Godette that's losing his spot? Because, you know, in the bubble He was out of that spot, so What happens, Chris? Like, what do you do with this bottom six? Like, no, okay, I'm going to rephrase that. Not what do you do, because I know you have Adam Garnett in the bottom six, as do I. But what are the Canucks going to do with their bottom six? Because you're right. Like, you know, Will Lockwood skating with Jay Beagle and looking pretty good. So it's like, I think one thing we can agree on, Chris, is Louis Erickson done. Like, Louis Erickson is, uh, bold take, are you ready for it? Louis Erickson is not going to suit up for a game this season for the Canucks. That's my take. Even though he always rears his ugly head... You know, he's actually very <laughs> handsome. Don't, don't take that the wrong way if you're ever listening to this, Louis. But he, there's always an injury. There's always an injury, and this guy comes back. Heading into the bubble, we were told it was being reported that the Canucks weren't gonna use Louis Erickson, and that they were moving on from Louis Erickson. They were preparing for life without Louis Erickson heading into the Edmonton bubble. One injury to Tyler Toffoli and he's back in the top six, just like that. You can't get rid of Louis. It's just something that is inevitable. But, I'm saying that with the depth we've depth we've seen emerge this year in the forward group, I am saying that Louis Erickson does not suit up for the Canucks this season. Damn, that's bold. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we'll see him at some point. I
1: think that this is what I sort of can see happening for the bottom six is like. You have a couple different options here, right? Like obviously with Brandon Sutter and Jay Beagle, you're getting a similar player who plays a fourth line center role. You're paying them both too much money, but still they're here. You gotta deal with that at that point. So what I think might be an option for potentially the fourth line and maybe even the third line. Like the third line could be Godet roussel mcewen or it could be Godet Roussel Vertanen. You know, there could be some some options there for sure with your third line, but I think we're gonna see we're going to see the Godet line kind of used as a fourth line, to be honest. It's probably going to get the least amount of five on five minutes. I think they're going to have Godet there potentially with Vertanen, just because those guys are going to be on your second power play unit. You know, is Roussel going to be the guy that's going to bring a little bit of two way game to them and maybe kill penalties. Then you have a fourth line. That's pretty useful. So then you're talking about a third line. That's, Probably Jay Beagle, probably Brandon Sutter And probably Tyler Mott If you're looking at what they are going to be on this team I know you want to call that the fourth line Just looking at the players that are on it But if you look at five on five time That's probably your third line So I think that there's going to be an option this year With other players like like Who knows, maybe Louis Erickson's a guy That you're going to hear a lot more of In the bottom six or in the fourth line Or there's some other players on this team Definitely wingers that could hop in and do some things For the Vancouver Canucks And I think that that fourth line might be the one that you get a lot of rotation in. Like you don't need to play Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter every single game. Maybe those players are better for you as fourth line, or I guess third line centers. Like I said, like maybe they're both better when they're fresh. Like maybe it has to be, you know, one guy gets two games back to back. Then the other guy hops in for two himself. Then you kind of just rotate like that. Like, cause you don't need both of them in the lineup. Like, I I just think that they're such a similar player And they're going to bring you so much similar things And and yeah, Brandon Sutter has a little bit more offense And Travis Green thinks he can hop in a second power play unit But, like, there's a lot better options to put on the second power play unit now with some of the depth that we're having Like, I haven't even mentioned a guy like Jace luck right? Like, that's another guy who could potentially hop into that fourth line Or should be given a run Or thrown in there for some energy Even Zach McEwen, right? Like, maybe he's thrown into that fourth line to mix it in So, like I think that a rotation on that fourth line is something that's not only going to help this team with how many games they're going to play, but I think just keeping these players fresh and keeping them engaged is just going to help them as a whole.
0: It's funny you mentioned Jace Howerluck because I have to eat crow a bit on this one, Chris. I told you that Jace Howerluck was going to be a difference maker. I I have not. What have you seen from Jace Howard? Look, that you even mentioned him in the lineup. Like to me, this guy's a complete non-starter. Like I was I was watching him and I was like, okay. Like I hope I was right and Faber was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. Like I, I we knew that his skating was an issue, but holy cow, I didn't know it was that big of an issue. Like he, he he's just not up to speed. He he looks lost. It was just it was really weird almost to watch. Like maybe he's going through something maybe he's got a slight injury that's nagging him but you know what it looked like to me
1: it looked like reed boucher syndrome
0: like it looked like he he can't get
1: like he was like his first few steps are good same with reed boucher's first few steps are good but then it's like second gear is like oh that's okay then he hits third gear and you're like oh wait where's the speed then he hits fourth gear and you're like oh there is no fourth gear like that's what i'm (laughs) seeing with with jace howard luck because it's like I know that he's quick, and I know that he gets on guys in the forecheck, and that's what we've heard so much. I mean, this is a guy who you know puts up a ton of hits in every single game that he plays. But the thing that I just see that's lacking is that that third and fourth gear that you need to have at the NHL level. Like, like to, to take it back to Niels Huglinder, man, he's coming in, and that first, second, and third gear are just excellent. Like we've talked about Quinn Hughes's edge work, but you and I talked about this at one of the intermissions, like. Nils Huglander has just as good of If not better edge work than what we saw from Quinn Hughes and that's saying Like I wish I could swear right now but like that's a Hecking lot of really good Edge work from Nils Huglander I mean This guy can like I don't know I like I I don't know if it's Something about the SHL ice being wider And maybe I didn't notice it as much like I knew this kid was quick but On the smaller ice I Really think that this game is benefiting The way that he plays like his quick lateral movement Is excellent He's so good on just turning on an edge And being so quick And and like we saw We saw those two spin moves from Hughes and Huglander I got the video on my Twitter And like Huglander's spin move is like twice the speed of Hughes And that's like I'm saying Like Quinn Hughes is a hell of a skater He's one of the best skaters in the NHL And I just think that I think that that's what's going to make Huglander so good Is like maybe Man like this sounds so early to say it right Like I feel weird to say it but like would he be in the upper echelon of like quick skaters in the NHL right now from what we've seen in camp maybe he's just wow. fresh like like we like like we need to see what he looks like at the NHL level but from what we've seen in camp like that's
0: not out of the realm of possibility no absolutely not he's looked like one of the best Canucks at camp and that's that's a camp that features Elias Pettersson, J.T. Miller, Quinn Hughes, Brock Besser. like full stop Nils Höglander has looked like one of the best Canucks at this camp now, we have to see what it looks like over a bit more of an extended period of time before we start telling everybody to go buy Hoglander jersey- jerseys. I don't think you'd want to though. Number thirty-six, I don't think that's a great number. I think Louie should have given like him twenty one. I don't like that.
1: Yeah, 36. I think it would be so funny if Louie just wears thirty-six.
0: <laughs> like this
1: Huglander <laughs> kid comes in and steals it from him. Oh man. Oh, I, would hey. that. I would love I would love Huglander to be
0: I'd love Huglander to be in the nineties. I'd love a ninety eight on Huglander. I just think that would be hilarious. Dude, I think I think 90 91 is Hoglander's number and then you get Pod Colton with 92.
1: Yeah, that's that's freaky. I like that. I like that, that a lot. Yeah, and I think that the I just yeah, we'll we'll finish on Hoglander cuz we've done enough on it, but the final thing I wanted to mention, um, I don't know if you thought he played a good game today. I didn't think he was excellent, but he got two goals in Will Lockwood. So that's a that's a nice showing for him and he Like he hasn't looked out of place for me at camp. I thought he skates pretty well in a lot of the drills and a lot of what we're seeing from him. And I I just think that a lot of these players make it to the NHL. Skating seems to be the problem. It doesn't look like that's a problem for Will Lockwood. I think he gets around the ice pretty damn good. Like we didn't we haven't seen a lot of his skill in the drills really. But like I don't think that's the player he is. Like I think he's a guy who's gonna grind out Similar to Tyler Mott, right? And that's why Tyler Mott's an NHL player Is because of his skating ability And his ability to piss people off on a four check I think that Will Lockwood needs to buy right in To the Tyler Mott movement And just get behind that Because, you know, I, I liked a lot of that And he got two goals today in a scrimmage So, like, good for him But, like I said, it's a scrimmage, right? So, we're not taking away too much from it But I just think throughout camp He's, he's looked like an NHL
0: skater already Absolutely Like Here's the thing is, Will Lockwood was a guy I don't even think we had on our prospect rankings for Canucks Army. Like, he's completely off the radar for a lot of people just because it was like 4th year pro, or sorry, 4th year college, and he wasn't putting up crazy numbers. But then, yeah, tonight, you know what I learned about Will Lockwood tonight? Is that he can play in the AHL for sure, and he might be able to knock on the door for an NHL job in a few years, but... He looked fine. He looked better than I thought he was going to. He looked better than most of the Utica guys tonight. I think it's safe to say. I think he's had a good camp. So yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's nice for him, and it's kind of nice to kind of get your eyes on a guy firsthand and say like, okay, like this guy's actually one of the better AHL level guys.
1: Absolutely. Well, I think we'll 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 take a break here. Um, I'd love to get into defense on the other side because we haven't even touched on names like. You know, Ashton Sautner ringing one off the bar. Brogan Rafferty not showing too well in this camp. We'll get into the whole defense right after this breaks. Uh, let's give a quick shout-out to our sponsors here.
0: And before we go any further, just wanted to give a quick shout-out to the presenting sponsor of the connects Conversation podcast, Zephyr Epic, Canada's source for trading card games ...and sports cards. We open a lot of hockey cards for them, and you can too. You can use promo code CanucksConvo for $5 off your order. They ship free anywhere in Canada... On orders over $50. So take advantage of that. Again, that is promo code CanucksConvo at Zephyrepic.com. Z E P H Y R Epic on all platforms on Twitter, Instagram, and join them on Twitch every Thursday for weekly case break giveaways. Chris and I have a lot of fun doing these. You guys should check them out as well. We've been having a lot of luck. We open a lot of Quinn Hughes cards, and now we're doing the D Pietro diving. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram opening hockey cards at random times. It's really hard to find out when we're going to do it because we don't really know when we're going to do it. But be on the lookout for that and make sure you go buy yourself some hockey cards whatever cards you need from Zephyr Epic Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. just want
1: to give a quick shout out to the returning sponsor of the Canucks Conversation podcast that's Parallel 49 Beer back on board for another winter season here. Be sure to check out some of their brand new winter beers that have just come out the one that is on the shelf right now and I highly recommend trying even though I haven't tried it yet it just sounds really cool is a new jelly donut beer that they have coming out it is already on shelves in BC and Alberta go check it out at your closest BC liquor store for all of your British Columbian it's out there and I'm gonna go definitely try mine this weekend and I'm gonna get uh, a review on the show about the jelly donut ale uh, which I'm very excited for so be sure to follow them along at parallel49beer on all of your social medias
0: oddshark.com is your source for NHL odds futures picks consensus and and scores. You can find all the latest information, all the latest sports books, and right now on their site, along with all the other wonderful editorial content they have, are the odds to win the 2021 IIHF World Junior Championship, which Chris and I were just talking about. Right now, Canada is the team to beat, with Russia close behind, and the US close behind them, and then there's quite a bit of a gap between Sweden. So if you're looking to make a bet, Chris and I are both going for Russia here, so if you want to put a little money on Russia, you might be able to get some return. So definitely go check out oddshark.com.
1: Winter is here and hockey is just around the corner. And if there's one thing that goes absolutely perfect with hockey, it's Mike's Hard Lemonade been a classic obviously around the ring for people who wanted something to mix it up a little bit from their beers i know it's a go-to sweet drink for me and now that they have the mike's hard blue freeze it is an absolute game changer blue freeze is the go-to drink for me at a canucks games or at any gatherings once we can get back to those that'll be great uh, but for now go out and try some yourself the mike's hard blue freeze is in stores everywhere you can find it at all liquor stores so be sure to go out there and try one of the mike's hard blue freeze and a big thank you to our four sponsors Odd Shark, Parallel 49, Mike's and Neutral Vodka and of course the great folks at Zephyr Epic the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Quads, it was warmer in the arena tonight and it you know what that did? Gave an opportunity for me to flex a little bit on the rest of the media members and rock a Canucks convo polo. They are the sweetest looking tops out there I'm pretty sure right now. Absolutely.
0: I really like it. It was a little cold though. So I don't know. I, I didn't wear it on my second day at the rink tonight, but man, we're going to have to sync those up anytime we can. Both wearing them, it looks pretty sharp.
1: Mm-hmm. You know what? I don't think we've talked about this on the pod, but I think we've talked about it off air for sure. But how nice has it been to to be able to go back to this camp? The fact that we both got access this year when last year it was only one or the other of us, but... To see that many people that we know and interact with in one spot, even though we're all still socially distanced and, you know, talking from afar through masks, but that's, like, the most amount of people that I know that I've seen in one room or, like, one area. Like, it's been weird to, like, think that, you know, people go through this with their workplace, right? Like, you're still – a lot of people are still going to work. They're seeing a lot of the similar people at work. But it's cool for us because, like, you know, I'm sure that people have friends or their coworkers, but for us, it's it's a lot of fun too, just to see a lot of these guys. Like, seeing seeing Daniel Wagner today was awesome, even though he's a poker shark, and I still haven't let him go for that. You know, it seemed like <laughs> Rob Williams and and some of the TSN and Sportsnet guys, of course, but like seeing everybody at the rink, like, man, it felt really good. And this, like, I just it's it's been an incredible week to be honest, and like we're we're so lucky to get this type of access like we've I think we've worked our asses off to get to the point of having media access and and you know it's it's been a grind to get to this point but now that we've been able to to get back to a training camp get us both in it together like we should be I think just looking at it we should be pretty proud of it and just take in the moment cuz it's been incredible to be one of the selected what is it maybe 20 people in arena watching a game like it it's pretty awesome I think just looking at it from a from a broader view I think
0: yeah, absolutely. Like you see, all the people being like, "Oh, how do I get in? How do I get in?" It's like you can't, right? And neither could we a few years ago. Like this, this didn't happen overnight. We had to work hard for it. But I'm, I'm glad we're finally there, man. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to be in the arena watching. Watching the Canucks play, it's it's nice. It's it's an it's you can't complain about your work day when it features that, and then going home and talking about them like we are now. <laughs> yeah, even if we're working until the uh, until the wee hours of the night. I think this might be one of the latest we've
1: ever recorded a podcast. Like yes. we're going to be moving into like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. here pretty soon. Uh, but uh, at the same time, we're normally playing Warzone to this point, anyways. So, and speaking of Warzone, he joined us for the Warzone tournament. But how about Ryan Beach photobombing Francesco Aquilini's tweet today?
0: (laughs) That was so good. I loved that so much. (laughs) The the reaction it got on Twitter, and Francesco's probably like, why is this guy getting all this response?
1: (laughs) Every quote tweet was just like, Ryan Beach, you know, like in the background. Like, I wonder if Francesco, like, said anything to him after. Like, maybe he had to thank Ryan for the clout that he got off of Ryan today. Like, Francesco's a pretty well-known guy on Twitter, and... And yeah, like he got mad clout from, from posting a selfie with Ryan Beach, of all people, the guy who hired me at Canucks Army, now working for the Vancouver Canucks, a two time guest of this show in the past. And yeah, we just had him on the Warzone game, uh, in the tournament. The other week with Jack Rathbone was in there as well It's funny I was hoping that Jack Rathbone Was going to be available for media Because I was going to ask him how his team did Because uh, I think you talked to him after the tournament and they were one of the worst teams in the <laughs> tournament And were getting absolutely destroyed uh, In Verdansk But yeah I thought that was a lot of fun And it was funny like today's media in the morning On Wednesday morning There was a lot of video game talk Obviously with Adam Gaudette coming up there And Elias Pedersen got asked about it a little bit as well Um, So it would have fit right perfectly in If they would have given us Jack Rathbone at the end But uh, yeah I just thought that um, You know touch on some stuff off the ice as well Uh, It's been a great setup I tell you what like That encore suite that we're in right now For instead of using the press box Because the encore suite's a lot more spaced out um, I don't know how much that thing costs for a Canucks game But that is a ridiculous setup to watch a Vancouver Canucks game in Rogers Arena,
0: yeah, it's really nice. <laughs> like it's, it's so nice, like every all the leather chairs, like just oh the veneered wood, like you. It, the list goes on. The fireplace, all that stuff, which is hilarious because <laughs> there's always somebody sitting in the lounge by the fireplace, and it's like hilarious to see. Oh I Yeah, you can't complain It's really nice up there But we're going to make people jealous we got to move on to some actual Canucks talk here Okay, before we do,
1: we saw it a little bit today And I just want to get your opinion This is like an NHL-wide thing that we're going to see And we don't really touch on these things a lot I know we talk about a lot of Canucks stuff But what are, your, what are your thoughts about logos on the helmets? It's, it's gotten people up in a buzz a little bit
0: Oh, who cares? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. honestly, okay Think about it like this, Chris Like, it's like it's the most minor thing in the world okay the 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 divisions thing is a little different, but I think we're all gonna call it the Canadian division instead of the C- scotia n h l division and the Honda west n h l division or whatever it's called. um but it's so insignificant that people are like, Oh, this is ridiculous. It's like, okay, you're we just drove chris we drove i think JPAT tweeted something along these lines, but we just drove in your what what car do you drive? I won't say your your car, but we drove in a truck that has a brand name and then we drove to Rogers Arena to cover Vancouver Canucks training camp brought to you by TD Bank <laughs> and then we look at the ice and there's just ads all over the boards and it's like who cares man? You it's not like they're throwing them on the jersey, which a lot of leagues do. Like even the NBA does that. It's not like that's what's happening here. Okay? Like you nobody's buying helmets and it's like Oh now I have to be free advertisement for these people You're already free advertising for the Canucks Every time you buy a jersey or a shirt Or whatever you're buying from the team store But you're not it just, It's so insignificant I don't get why people are so upset about it And like some of them look clean Like you look at what the Flames are doing And they have the Scotiabank logo And it looks sick Like it looks really nice on their helmets Like it. It. it's subtle and it looks good But you know, I I don't know. Like the Canucks don't even have a helmet sponsor at this <laughs> point in time. And no, they do. I
1: feel like if they're, they do. Yeah, they do. It came out today, and it's it's an excellent company, if you ask me. I think it's a great employer. Uh, you know, put out some no. quality radio content every once in a while. No way. When they bring on, how that did op.
0: I not know about this?
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was it was released today. Uh, Patrick Johnson, I think, got one of his photographers from the province to get a real good picture of it. Uh, so Rogers is on the side. I mean, it's like a very very small font. Just Rogers on the helmet And you know Like I wanted to bring up Something that like The NHL is talking about Or, or over the past couple days People have been talking about At least But it's so stupid That this is why We don't bring up A lot of these stories Around the NHL Because like We both just think It's kind of stupid Like they need to get Some extra money added in Okay Because they can't have Fans in the stands This makes sense To add some revenue To help pay for guys Like Ryan Beach Who's now in the Vancouver Canucks organization <laughs> Taking selfies with Francesco Aquilini Like I don't know. Without those sponsors coughing up some more money, you're probably going to see a lot more people lose their jobs. So I think looking at it from that point of view, I'm fine with having you know a logo on a helmet if it means that you're saving some guys in your analytics or potentially saving some of the people that work in PR. Like we know the Vancouver Canucks let go two of their people that have been in PR uh, for a while, and I thought that they that was a tough loss to see those two, though, like get let go for the Vancouver Canucks. I thought they did an excellent job last year, so. I just think that it's it's a no-go for me. I have no problem with it. Okay,
0: I just looked it up. It's small and it's subtle. Like, you can't really even tell. Like, it's, it's going to go unnoticed. You're watching these games on TV. It's going to go relatively unnoticed. I think it might clash a little bit with the blue. But we'll a see because this is an away helmet that we're looking at. Uh, also, <laughs> the Edmonton Oilers have the same sponsor Rogers is sponsoring the Canucks <laughs> and the Oilers With Rogers Place, Rogers Arena And now the helmets are going to all say Rogers That's going to be very funny to watch on opening night But honestly, yeah I-, I hadn't seen this until now But it's like, who cares? It almost looks natural You know what I mean? Like when you look yeah. at it, it doesn't... I don't know. It's not like it's not like the uh the European leagues where you see like the big it looks like they just stuck a sticker of a completely different color on. It just yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't hate this at all.
1: Alright, let's get into the Vancouver Canucks back onto the ice here. Let's talk about that defense group. I want to start with the guys who I think are gonna be more Utica bound, because we've touched on a lot of the guys in the top six. We've touched on Jack Rathbone and Yo a little bit. Um but one name that I thought was was pretty tough like in the first few days of camp I the first couple of days of camp I didn't think he looked good at all didn't look like an NHL player his passes were bad his skating wasn't great but what did you see from Jet Wu today because I thought he defended pretty well and I think the thing that that I like about Jet Wu is that his physicality and his defending when he's in zone is pretty solid already but there's there's a long way to go for 20 year old Jet Wu who a lot of people are penciling into their lineup <laughs> right now I'm wondering
0: how much time he even gets in Utica, to be honest. Dude, that's the thing. Is like, I don't know. Like he he will get time because the Canucks have control of it. You would think that you know they would play their own prospects ahead of whoever the Blues are sending them, right? Like that's not a good situation for the Blues, by the way. I don't know how much we're gonna talk about it, but sharing your farm team with any team is not a great idea. You're just you don't have control over their development and. You know, Durant even floated out the take of Mikey DiPietro maybe going and playing some AHL games uh, with, like, the Belleville Senators or another Canadian AHL team. Just, when the Canucks are on the road, maybe he stops and just, you know, plays a couple games or plays one or one game and just comes back. Like, ugh, doesn't have to quarantine, it just... I don't know, like, you want him to have action. I don't want to start this conversation again. I really don't want to start the taxi squad goalie conversation again at all. But again, Please like, don't. it's an option for for the Canucks here. But for the St. Louis Blues, I don't like that at all. Like, I know their hands are kind of tied when your AHL affiliate just says, no, we're not playing. Like, that's really tough on a team. So, I don't know. I don't like the situation for the Blues, but... For Jet Wu, I think it'll be interesting to see what he does in Utica this year, how much time he gets. Because, yeah, like, he hasn't really popped off at all at camp. Like, he hasn't really been somebody you notice. I don't know. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to crap on him or anything, but it's just normal that a defenseman of his age isn't ready just yet.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a thing that, you know, the development path for Jet Woo is a long one I think it's a very different one Than a Jack Rathbone Or you know potentially even like an Olio Levy Right like I think that a lot of people projected him to To get healthy and actually be in the NHL by now But with Jet Woo, I think that there's a lot to go for him um, I just thought that the defending was pretty solid Like he was he was he was bodying up NHL players today, and to see that from a 20 year old who's only played junior, I was just I was pretty impressed with it. To be honest, I mean he's a guy who didn't even make Team Canada's World Junior team in his year, right? So I think that that getting a chance to get him into Utica is going to be tough because let, let's talk about some of the other guys, right? Like the guys that we're going to probably see in Utica. Uh, I'll start with Mitch Elliott. He's going to be there. Jalen Chatfield. He might not even be there. He might be on the taxi squad. Uh, Guillaume Brisebois, He's probably going to be there. Ashton Sahtner is probably going to be there. Josh Tevez is definitely going to be there. And let's let's talk about this name a little bit because a lot of expectations for this guy to be an NHL player this year from what he did last year. But Brogan Rafferty unfortunately has not really impressed so far this camp. He had a he had a shot from the point today that was tipped in, I believe, by. Can you help me here? I forget who tipped it in front. Sven Sven Berchi, that's right. So Berchi tipped it in front. Brogan Rafferty, nice little wrist shot that was tipped in front by Berchi for the goal. Um, But, yeah, we got to talk about Berchi before this episode's over, by the way. Uh, But Brogan Rafferty through camp so far. He had a bad camp at summer. He had a really good camp in Victoria. Looks like he's leaning towards more of what he did in the summer at the camp that we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I don't know, man. I... uh... I just, I don't know, when I was looking at Brogan Rafferty and watching him play It was just like, you really want him To do something, you know, like, we know he's a good Guy, we know he knows a lot about the Bachelor We've had great conversations with him, but it's like Man, I just, I just haven't seen Enough, right, and it's just Who is the name you mentioned to me Tonight, you said maybe he's just This guy, or maybe it wasn't you that said it, but I think someone mentioned, I'm not sure If it was you, that was like, maybe he's just Adam Clendenning, a guy who's really good When his confidence is high, but Isn't great once he gets the NHL And his confidence isn't as high
1: Yeah I'll give that uh, to Sat I was talking to Sat on Tuesday at practice And we were talking about Brogan Rafferty not doing much And yeah he said Adam Clendenning was kind of the reminder That he heard and you know what that's the problem It's like you really want Brogan Rafferty To break through and figure out what it needs to be For him to be able to do what he does At the AHL level at the NHL level But unfortunately we just haven't been able To see it especially after all the hype like there's a lot of hype coming from the AHL on what he did. He was one of the best defensemen offensively in the AHL. That means something. Like that has to mean something. And he's a right shot guy. There was an opening now with Travis Hamonic. It's it's not even an uphill battle for me with Program Rafferty. It's is, is he is he on the taxi squad now or is he going back to Utica again? Because I don't think he's coming out of this making the the top 29 for the Vancouver Canucks.
0: Man, do you have Jalen Chatfield ahead of him?
1: <laughs> On my depth charts, no But uh, the Vancouver Canucks seem to like yeah. The idea of Jalen Chatfield being a yeah. guy Who can slide in and Oh man, like play with that's Quinn what, Hughes potentially, that's what we're seeing at camp So like, I don't, I, I'm i You know, I, <laughs> I'm i not a Jalen Chatfield Hater, I just don't know if, if He's that ready for the NHL kay. right now
0: Just so people know He's just being a placeholder for Hamanick Right now, who we are going to talk about a little bit Going forward here, but yeah, Ch- Chatfield's only playing with Hughes because he's a placeholder I don't know if you saw tonight But it was basically Myers was getting double shifted He was playing with Yolevi and Hughes yep. Um, And Chatfield was just sitting, right? Like, he wasn't getting a ton of time It was just, you know, he he's kind of a placeholder Until Hamanick can get here And I think Hamanick's going to be ready to go this weekend If I'm not mistaken So maybe we'll see him I'm not sure Uh, But, you know, I don't know I'm just... Like, obviously, I'm in the same boat, not on my depth chart, but on the Canucks depth chart, I wonder if a guy like Jalen Chatfield is somebody they view as being like, this is a guy who can step in and just not get scored on. Like, that's what they want from him, and it's just, I don't know, like, I don't know, I'm, I'm really curious to see what they do, what the final roster looks like, but yeah, I don't know, Brogan Rafferty just hasn't had the best start to his camp.
1: Yeah, we'll close out with guys uh, Before we get to Hamnick I just want to close out with what we've seen The situation that Jack Rathbone has put in And what we've seen so far in camp Is skating alongside Jordy Ben Who is still an option to play for the Vancouver Canucks Let's not forget, Jordy Ben's making $2 million Like, he's not making uh league minimum on this team Like, we're probably going to see Travis Hamnick Come in somewhere around, but I think Rathbone skating with Ben is a great sign, because I think that going into the first couple of days of camp, that's something that we wanted to see. Like, Jordy Ben, go, before Travis Hamnick got here, to me, was probably going to be a guy that we saw on the third pairing. But now, I think with Hamnick, Jordy Ben probably slots into a 6-7 spot and opens up the door for Rathbone or, or Yo Levy to win that spot. And to see Rathbone skating with him... I've liked the pairing to be honest I think that Rathbone's been able to move the puck pretty well in certain situations Definitely handling a lot more of the puck than Jordy Ben is Like we saw a play today um, where Jack Rathbone was behind the net Just holding the puck in his own zone Kind of waiting for the team to change And Jordy Ben's off in the left corner Like that's the way that people Like people look at defense pairings and they're like How is the one guy moving the puck so much when it's an NHL game And it's back and forth so fast Like that's a perfect example of of why one of the guys is kind of designated as the puck mover Like he's going to start behind the net when you initiate your rush From the defensive zone That's what Jack Rathbone was doing with that pairing That's what you see a guy like Quinn Hughes do when he's with Chris Tanev That's what you saw Tyler Myers do when he was with Alex last year That's just the fact that you have one guy that moves the puck He's in that situation And I think Rathbone Playing with Jordy Ben is a great thing for him because Jordy Ben's going to play that defensive game, and he's going to play a similar game to Hamannik. So I, I just think that that pairing given Jack Rathbone a better opportunity of making the team out of camp.
0: Yeah, I, I think the signing of Hamannik as a whole gives him a really good chance, and I think it gives Broken Rafferty almost no chance. That was the sad yeah. part about the Hamannik signing. But aside from Rafferty, like I do think that you know. When we were looking at the defense pairings, like, it was no secret that us, like many other in the media and many other fans, were saying, like, guys, like, this is not an NHL third pairing and you can't just run the wheels off your top four. But now, by signing Hamanick, which is such a such a minor move, like, it looks like such a minor move, a PTO, but holy cow, like, getting Hamanick here, no, this it- is a guy that can play with Quinn Hughes on the top pairing, which opens up so many possibilities on your second and third pairings. Like, dude, if you... Okay, so imagine we had Chris Tanev and Alex Edler on the first pair a couple years ago, and then it's just fill in the blanks here. MDZ, Ben Hutton, whatever, right? Like, Troy Detcher was was a great uh, bottom pairing, could play in the top four, but again, like, he wasn't moving the needle in the top four, right? But now you've got Quinn Hughes, Nate Schmidt... Tyler Myers is going to help you eat a ton of minutes, but now you can have Tyler Myers potentially playing on a third pairing alongside, gee, I don't know, you'll levy or you want Edler on the third pair, whatever the case is. Like, there's so many options here, and it's just, I don't know, like, I think the signing of Hamanik just gives the Canucks a lot of options when it comes to their defense pairings. And I think that's something that's really important and something that wasn't really talked about when he was signed. Like, people were kind of just thinking, like, okay, he's going to go on the third pairing. He'll play with levy. I'd be surprised if we see Hamanik play on the third pairing with hmm. I'm, I'm, in my mind, the defense pairings are going to be... Hughes Hamannik. Although I've talked to a lot of people that are showing reservations about Hamannik being able to play top four minutes with uh, with Hughes, so we'll see. But I think on opening night we see Hughes Hamannik, we see Edler Schmidt, and then I think we see Yolevi Myers on the third pairing. And again, like Tyler Myers needs a ton of minutes, having him on a third pairing, you're t- you're happy with that? Like you're very happy with that.
1: Yeah, and I think instantly that gives you a chance to Okay, we're down by one. Let's put Myers up there with Hughes. You know, we saw it last year a ton, right? Like as soon as the Canucks are losing, that can be a quick adjustment where you say, Okay, Haminick, you're down with your Levy now on the third pairing.
0: Well, hold on, man. Instead of that, we're down by a goal. Schmidt and Hughes get out there. You put both of those guys out there. But
1: but you know you're gonna get some offense out of Myers and Hughes from what you saw last year and then you're not shifting, and you still have two defense court, like two pairings on defense that can bring you offense. I think if you limit that, and then you put Edler with Myers, right? Because that's what happened. It would go Schmidt and Hughes, Edler would go with Myers, Hamnick and Yulevi. I think you're limiting some offense from the other pairing, and if you're down by one, you're going to be pumping out that top four, and I think going Hughes, Myers, Edler, Schmidt is the way to do it, I think.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I guess yeah, that that's that makes sense.
1: But I man, like I, I just you know, want to I mean, want to push back a little bit on your on your Hamannick and Hughes situation though too. I just think that that's a lot to ask from a guy who has not played a minute with Quinn Hughes, and he's going to show up to camp with two days left. I don't think I see that on opening night. To be honest,
0: what do you see on opening night? Who plays with Hughes? Chatfield. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> uh, as far away from Hughes as possible I think that opening night You're going to see Hughes Myers I think you're going to see Edler Schmidt And I do think that you're going to see Rathbone uh, Hamanick
0: Rathbone Hamanick Wow yeah. I like that I, I do not hate that but, but, So you, you think know what, levy gets Gets taken over by Rathbone you think I
1: I do I think it's possible but you know what Like Now that I've said it out loud it's kind of tough for me to see Travis Green going with the non-penalty killer in Jack Rathbone, right? Like, I, I just think that having that extra penalty killer in Yo Levy really gives a lot more 5-on-5 ice time opportunity for Quinn Hughes and Nate Schmidt. Like, it just does. Like, you can come out of a penalty kill and throw out the Hughes-Schmidt pairing together on that first shift out. Like, that's a huge boost to your team after killing off a penalty with momentum and then you come out with the lotto line and Nate Schmidt and Quinn Hughes, and you get some time in the offensive zone, like, that's going to be goals, man. Like, that's goals right there for your team. I just think that that opportunity and that potential for that situation to happen so often, it does make a little bit more sense to see you levy there with Hamannick. But that third pairing, you're making you levy the puck mover, right? So, I yeah. I'm gonna change. I'm gonna change. Actually, sorry, I, I spoke too soon with Rathbone. I think that Rathbone is gonna be great to move into the lineup when he needs to, and I think we'll see that pretty early in the season. But yeah, opening day, I'm gonna go Hughes, Myers, Edler, Schmidt, Yo Levy, Hamannik.
0: Okay, I like it. I yeah, I like it. I like it, Chris. I do. I I I don't think you're wrong, but I I don't know, man. I, I think don't... that's
1: a hard spot to put your franchise defenseman in Game one opening night But it's a strange yeah, year but... too Like I'll give you that It's a strange year Stranger yeah. things will happen as the season goes on But that's a yeah. tough spot to put Your franchise guy Like your number one defenseman for the next hopefully 15 years That's a tough spot to put him in and I think Travis Green's the type of coach That doesn't want to put his young player in a situation like that
0: Yeah Yeah I don't know. It makes we'll sense. See. I there's... agree with
1: you. I think it makes sense. It's a lot it's a very similar guy to who he played with last year, but can you get more out of him with Myers early on too? Like there's there's a lot to go into that defense. Yeah. And you know what? Like to speak on this a little bit too, I think that we might see the rest of camp. Like we've seen the first three days of camp now. We've seen a scrimmage, we've seen a surprise scrimmage, we've seen a couple practices. I think that we might see a swapping of the defense group for the rest of maybe the next three days until the next until the next scrimmage, which we're projecting to be Saturday, maybe Sunday. But I'm going to guess like Saturday makes a lot of sense. Like we'll get a day off on Thursday. We'll get a big practice on Friday, which you're going to be covering. And then Saturday makes sense for another like big makeshift game here. So I think that we might see in that game. Like I wonder if the groups get swapped a little bit. Going into Friday's practice, like that, it's it's a good chance to do it. Maybe you keep some of the lines that you like together. Like I hope that Huglander's still with Horvat on Friday at practice, and I hope that he's there on the game on Saturday. But maybe you do switch up some things on defense. Maybe you put Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers out there together for a bit, or maybe you don't swap some things because you like what you see with Edler and Schmidt. You keep them together, but I think this is the chance for you to try a couple little different things. And I wouldn't be shocked to see some mix-ups uh, from Group A and B on Friday's practice.
0: I would. I honestly, I mm-hmm. would be surprised to see a shakeup. I think. I think it's gonna be. Well, you have to remember, like, define shakeup because we've already seen Hughes and Myers playing together tonight. Like that's what we saw at, at the scrimmage. So, I don't think. I don't think Schmidt is leaving Edler's side for the rest of the season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think Myers is gonna be leaving. Well, maybe. I just I don't know. Like I think that Myers Yulevi pairing is is one Travis really likes. And oh, man. I you think know what? That
1: that pairing feels so much just like the Ben Hutton Good Branson thing to me. It's like these two players would fit so great together. Let's see what happens. And I think that both of those two players can be better than Hutton and Good Goodbranson, especially as a whole. But it just feels like a similar situation where you see the way that two players play and you're like, they need to play together. Like, your stay-at-home, good job in the defensive zone once we're setting up thing is something that'll match well with Myers's. You know, sometimes a zoo when he's actually set up But he does a pretty good job defending on the rush That's the thing that he's actually good at When you talk about him defending Is on the rush because he takes up so much space With that long ass stick And I just think that that combination just makes so much sense That I think that might be the thing Why Hamannick plays with Hughes But do you want to affect your first pairing To make your third pairing look that much better? That's the question
0: yeah, holy cow. It's it's so interesting that we're having this conversation because like a couple of weeks back, before Hammonic, life before Hamonic, we were like, <laughs> Oh man, I wonder what if what who Jordy Ben's gonna line up with and now he's like he's not in my projections at all. Like I, I have Jordy Ben straight out of the lineup.
1: Yeah, I have him out of the lineup, but I have him on the twenty three man.
0: Yeah, I yeah, absolutely because he can play both sides, right? Yeah, so. he,
1: he's he's flexible. He cops and he kills penalties, right? Like he he's flexible there. Because now the Canucks yeah. have multiple guys. Like, think about it. Alex Edler could be the fifth on the depth chart for the power play. Oh, like he wow. could.
0: That's a really good. That's a really good point.
1: Like yeah, honestly, like you think about it, you have you're gonna see first unit Hughes, you're gonna see second unit Schmidt. Tyler Myers will cover that, and then you're going to see potentially Jack Rathbone, right? Like, is Jack Rathbone a better power play guy than Edler from what I've seen from Rathbone yes. so far and what he did at the NCAA level? Yeah, I agree. So, unless there's, do you want to close out with anything else on the defense that we haven't touched on yet? Because there's one more thing we got to talk about uh, before we get to a very quick prospects update.
0: No, I, I don't think there's anything else on defense. I think it's going to be really important that we keep watching them and kind of see how everything progresses.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what we see on Friday. And then specifically Saturday's game, like, I know it's a scrimmage still and you're playing your own team, but I think we're going to see a lot of what we'll see on opening night on Saturday.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're
1: right. If there is one on Saturday, we'll see. I Yeah, it makes too much sense. Sunday, I guess Sunday makes sense too. If they want to do Sunday night and then give them an off day Monday. But they're going to practice on Tuesday and travel, I think, right? like a. I have to check my dates here to make sure everything's lining up, but I think they—I know they're traveling. Yeah, they're practicing and traveling on the 12th, so Monday might be the day off. Sunday might be the day. off. Yeah, it's it, We'll see what happens, anyways. But um, one name that I've been getting tweets about—I'm sure you've probably get, gotten some as well. I think you might have had one in the mailbag about it. Let's touch on Sven Berchi real quick. He scored a goal today, but I—but uh, what have been your thoughts so far on him at camp?
0: He's not making the team. He's not making the... I don't even think he's making the taxi squad, man. Like, he just... He doesn't look super engaged. Like, I don't know. Like, it's cliche that he doesn't back check or he doesn't play defense. But, man, you watch it in the scrimmage and just... It's very apparent. Like, he doesn't. He straight up doesn't doesn't play defense. And it's just... That's not going to fly. And, I don't know. Like, I just don't think there's enough... There's enough upside to his offensive game for to warrant him being holding a spot so I don't know like I I don't know I don't think he's had the best camp to start and I I don't think we see him on the roster
1: I think he's had one of the worst camps to start to be honest I I just think that and I, I talked about this with somebody in the arena about it and I just think that like there is there is such a disconnect between the coaching staff and Sven Berchi on the ice like You hear a lot from Travis Green at practice You will not hear Travis Green say One thing to Berchi In the whole practice On every practice we've seen He won't say anything good about Berchi Every time Berchi's in a board battle Like maybe not every time But it's noticeable like you'll see this on Friday Because you're going to be there Friday and I won't be there But like watch every battle that Sven Berchi Goes into and just listen To the coaching staff Like if he's battling against Yulevi in the corner They're like good job, Oli, don't let him get there, don't let him get there, or just certain things you'll see from the coaching staff, like, there's nothing being being spoken to on the ice to Sven Berchi. I just think that there is such a disconnect with him and the coaching staff and whatever has happened over the past two years of him since he's fallen off to an AHL player. Like, he probably does have potential to be on some NHL rosters, but not the way that he's playing in camp and definitely not the way that he's having a relationship with the coaching staff at camp because that is just... You know it's not there at all. It's absolutely not there. There's there's just something wrong with Sven Berchi and Travis Green and the coaching staff. Like they, I can't see him. Like you said, I can't see him even being on the taxi squad. Like he he hasn't earned it. He hasn't played like it. And the coaching staff probably doesn't want him there.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think you're bang on. I do. I really do. I don't. I don't think we're gonna see much of Sven Berchi anymore as a Canuck.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. We'll see what he does in Utica, and maybe, maybe injuries or something gives him a chance. But um, okay, we'll close out with a prospects report. Very quick, very short. Talked to Arvid Kosmar after the World Juniors. The day after he got back, he was right back into SHL action, uh, playing 13 minutes and 33 seconds in that game. Uh, we talked to him a little bit. Looks like he's down for an interview in the future, so we'll we'll kind of just like save a little bit more Kosmar chat for when that happens. But we might be seeing that on the Canucks' combo in the next. Week or two and um, aside From that there's not really much To talk about with prospects I mean obviously The World Juniors came to a finish Vasily Colson had a decent finish to his Tournament tough loss but man what did you Think about seeing some of those videos about Pod Colson just talking to the rest Of his team like I thought that was So impressive just to see the Way that he was that engaged like That's the dude you want on your team Like Larry Onoff has praised him as A captain and for good reason from what we Saw from TSN highlights
0: Man okay so just seeing how much of a leader he was with the you know at the bench he's like yelling at them and he's like pointing up to the jumbotron you could tell he's saying like I don't speak Russian or read Russian lips or read any lips for that matter but he was saying like you know it's only the first period like get it going like settle down and let's get going here and like you could tell that's the message he was sending his team and, you know, they didn't succeed, but you want to see that from a guy, right? And I just, I don't know, like, we need to make a highlight reel of all of the all of the Vasily Pot goals and chances that he set up that his teammates just could not bury. Because it's like, once he starts playing with a guy like Elias Pettersson or a oh. guy like Bo Horvat or he, just, even Adam Gaudet or Jake and name it. Those are getting buried every time, like... I don't know, I'm just, I'm I'm very excited to watch him play for the Canucks one day uh, But yeah, I mean, there's going to be fans who still are a little disappointed about his tournament as a whole I don't think he should be, I don't know, if you watch the games you see it right away That he's like the best player on the ice for Russia at all times So, I don't know, I, I thought it was a good tournament for him Would have liked to see more point production, but what are you going to do?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, the, the unfortunate thing about this whole situation with Podkolzin Colson Is he's reporting back to the KHL and now we're back it's to <laughs> to seeing no points, no minutes. Uh he's got a match against Locomotive. Um so he's taking on um uh sorry, like why am I blanking? Uh Nikita Triamkin's team uh at six AM. So that might be a big one to tune into. Uh doesn't, we'll see if uh, both players skate.
0: Doesn't Triamkin play for Avtomobilist?
1: Yeah, you're right. This these two teams I always mix up. Because See? AvtoMobilist, it looks like it looks like the exact same logo as Lokomotiv. Yes. Like they have like yes. tra- I think they both have trains on pots for their logos, <laughs> yeah. and it's like okay, I know what you mean yeah. Yeah, no, I I've messed I've, that one look up. Look the me few dropping.
0: Look at me dropping KHL knowledge on you, hey? Who yeah, thought? You,
1: hey, you want to take over the prospects report for a little bit, or what?
0: Yeah, let me talk about
1: Yaroslav Askarov. No, okay, then. Well speaking of he'll probably be in action uh, On the 10th they have a big matchup against CSKA So that'll be a big one uh, 7.30 in the morning on what is that Saturday I guess So that'll be Sunday morning That'll be a fun one after a Canuck scrimmage I'll be up early uh, to see if Pod Colson gets back into action but um, aside from that, I think we're all wrapped up quads. I mean, it was a fun day at camp. It was fun to see everyone get back in the rink and see the guys skate around in a, a pretty close to, to 100% level. Probably was 80% for these guys in the scrimmage. But we saw some some, some very good things,
0: I think. Absolutely. I, I think the effort level's there. Like, that's the thing is, like... You have to remember, like, Travis Green's teams historically have always just come out of the gates absolutely flying. It's like he gets them in such good shape because of the bag skates and everything that they just come out ready to run through walls as soon as the season starts. Like... (laughs) You go look at the Canucks' records to start the last few seasons, like, they're always in first place at some point, like, even as late as, like, November, December, and I I don't know, like, I think in a shortened season, it's really going to benefit them to get an early lead in the standings. I expect the Canucks to come out just flying like they do every year. Yeah, I checked out some uh, some of the odds on Oddshark, actually, earlier this week, and I
1: made a few bets uh, for the very first game of the Vancouver Canucks against the Edmonton Oilers, and um, my big bet, though was betting that the Canucks win one nothing. You picked the score, you picked that. Very big odds on that. So, I'm not telling you to bet that because that probably doesn't happen. Specifically what we saw in the scrimmage, a lot of goals. Uh but we'll see what happens on the first day. Uh, I think it's been another fun episode. We're going to be back, like we said uh, earlier in the week. We're back to two shows a week, so we're going to be back just in a couple days here uh, to drop an episode before the Canucks' second scrimmage. We'll have Dave fresh from camp on Friday when we record that one. But this has been a great one, man. Hockey's back. Uh, I can't wait to see what the podcast does here in 2021. We got a lot of fun things coming up for sure. We're going to keep doing the same things we're doing in 2020, bringing you guys the best interviews, the best guests, the best podcast content, I believe, in the Vancouver. Canucks market uh, and we're gunning for That number one spot in 2021 So for David Quadrelli my name Is Chris Faber and thank you so much for Tuning in to another episode of the Canucks Conversation